Hey friends, it's Michelle. Welcome back to Monday Musings with Michelle. And today I want to talk about living angels. What is a living angel? Well, it's what I call somebody who enters your life often just for like a season. I mean, it could literally just be for a day, weeks, uh, a, a meeting somehow, like you just connect with this person and they ultimately say or do something that changes your life in such a meaningful and good and positive way. So I call these people living angels. This is my term, something that I've just paid attention to um, throughout my life, mostly my adult life. Uh, but I think if I looked back, I would say that actually there has been living angels even when I was younger. So um, I'm going to share two because I just remembered one when I was like 12 years old and it was like a one second, what 30 second interaction, but it really helped me in so many ways. Um, so uh, just quickly though, I did do an, a solo cast on a Monday musing about miracles. I want to thank everyone who wrote me. Uh, you shared some beautiful stories and one person, you know, was saying just like, miracles are around us in every moment just through nature. And that is absolutely so true. Um, and others shared stories similar to the one I shared. Uh, I can link that one or you can find it over at thegoodlifecoach.com uh, under the podcast section or on your favorite podcast player. If you just scroll through, it'll be, it'll be called Monday Musings with Michelle miracles. So you can listen to that one if you haven't. They're all like 10 minutes or less. Um, just something to think about. And I don't know, my hope with a lot of these is just to impart some information or something hopeful or something for you to think about and see what resonates. Because I think that's what life's about, like life school, the school of life that we're all a part of. Uh, so much to learn and so in so many ways we can grow. Okay. So living angels. Um, when I was 12, I was put in a back brace for scoliosis. And many of you who listen to the show may have heard the story or heard me mention it. Or if you read my book, Design a Life You Love, I've I've mentioned the back brace because it was honestly a pretty, you know, looking back, I, it didn't feel traumatic so much as a kid because you just have to deal with what happens in life. Um, but as an adult, I see how having your body be compressed for 23 hours of the day and to sleep in a device, a back brace that ultimately literally was from under my chin and dug into my thighs uh, is not natural. There's nothing about it that um, it's like a torture device. I swear, <laughs> like thinking about it, it was pretty brutal. Um, but I didn't feel that way as much as a, as a kid. But one thing I was very aware of is just how relieved I was when the brace came off. It was like a deep breath, being able to inhale a full breath, which I was in, which I was completely unable to do in the brace. I literally could not take even just like the most shallow breath. It was the most shallow breath. So not being able to breathe deeply impacts everything, your nervous system, your health, uh, your ability to ground. Um, not that I felt ungrounded, if you will, but just looking back, I have compassion on my younger self. Anyway, I was at a mall with my mother and my grandmother, my Nana, and I was probably about 13 or 14. 
And there was a young woman, I would say anywhere from like 19 to 22, and she was really stylish and put together. And she was walking by and smiled at me. And I was wearing my back brace, the the brace that showed you could you couldn't miss it. There was like a metal bar sticking out in my chest and between my breasts and a plastic plate where my chin rested and a metal bar that screwed into the back um, behind my neck. It was quite ugly, I have to say. I, I always tried to cover it up with clothes, but you could see I was wearing a brace. If you were paying attention and knew what, what it was, you might not know what it was. And this woman who I was admiring her fashion sense and uh, walked over to me and she said, um, I also had scoliosis. She knew what I, what, what I had. That's why I wore the back brace for scoliosis. And she said, I had that exact brace and I promise this too shall pass and, and it will be better. Uh, you know, this isn't a forever thing. And that one interaction stayed with me my entire experience wearing the brace. And here I am, 52 years old, still remembering that woman who's probably 60-something, living her life somewhere. And that one interaction gave me so much hope and made me feel so much more not alone. Because, you know, it's not a common thing that you would see someone wearing a back brace. And she also was just so put together and stylish. And I could see sort of a future me in her. And that was also really uh, validating and encouraging. So she, to me, was a living angel. For my adult life, um, when I gave birth to my daughter, before I did, I had a family members who said, you should get a doula. It's so helpful. And honestly, if I knew myself better at 37, 38, and really just trusted what I knew to be true about me, I would have said the last thing I want is some stranger in the room. And I mean, no disrespect if you are a doula. I have so much respect for the profession. Uh, My family member who used a doula swore by them. She did it for all three of her pregnancies. For me, the last thing I would want is a stranger in the room. All I would want was, you know, who's going to ever take care of me and my husband. And that's it. So the reason I'm mentioning this is because I was interviewing doulas per the suggestion suggestion of this family member. And I met the most incredible woman. We'll call her Annie. That wasn't her name, but we'll just call her Annie. Um, and she was no longer a doula. And actually, if I ever were to have had a doula, I really wanted her. And I was like, could you make an exception? Like, she just had the energy of a of an angel, truly. She was just so grounding and so lovely and sort of like a mom energy. Um, in the best of ways. Um, nobody can beat my mom, but anyway, if you were going to have a doula, she she would be like the ideal. But she had become a lactation consultant. And so I told her about the woman I'd met and was potentially going to hire. And she was like, oh, she's great. And my gut was telling me that this woman was burnt out. And truly, I think she was. Her energy wasn't really what I would have wanted. And so anyway, my water breaks six and a half weeks prior to the birth. So the baby was coming early. And funnily enough, I called Annie to tell her and she told me what to do. I didn't call the doula first. And she said, you should call your doula. And I did. Uh, The doula, really, the only thing she did that day, I needed to get an emergency C-section because my baby was breech. Um, My husband asked her if she could get her camera, which 
Um, that was it. And we sent her home and paid her the thousand dollars for the five minutes she was with us. Um, and you know, it was part of, I don't know, she was obviously meant to be there for some reason. We, I brought her into the situation. So I don't say that with any, like, it was just more of a learning lesson for me. But once the baby was born, I knew that I wanted to nurse and, uh, she had to go to the, my daughter had to go to the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit. And as a first time mom, even if you weren't a first time mom, it's not fun. It's a really, it's a traumatic experience to have your baby taken from you and, you know, having to be five floors away from you. She was on the fifth floor and I was on the ninth floor. And I also had had the C-section because it was breach and they needed to get her out as soon as possible. And so I wasn't able to get to her like I would have wanted to. I had to get a wheelchair to go see her and needed a nurse. It was honestly not an ideal experience. Um, a lot of wonderful doctors and nurses and also a truly sadistic and horrible nurse, unfortunately, who I dealt with for two days, which maybe I'll talk about another time. But I called Annie, um, the, the consultant, and I said, you know, would you work with me? as a lactation consultant. I'm in the NIC, my daughter's in the NICU. I really want a nurse. And um, I'm kind of alone here in this, you know, not knowing what to do because it wasn't what I had planned. I thought I'd be home and, you know, have the care in my house along with potentially her help. But we had talked about working together once the baby was born. And she agreed and she came to the hospital. And for whatever reason, the nurses were like, it was a weird experience, honestly. Like she <laughs> came and the nurses were really angry with me. They're like, didn't we teach you for eight minutes yesterday? Didn't you get the lactation consultant's help from the hospital? And they were really berating me. Um, and I was like, yes, and I would like to keep going. And um, Annie just grounded me. She reminded me to connect with my daughter. like having your daughter just not be with you and being, like I said, five floors away and having those meds work th through your system. I was hallucinating a little bit the first night. So from all the, the medicine they had to give me, the epidural and all of that. And she helped ground me in a way that I really was having a hard time grounding. I was really having a hard time grounding and being present in the way that I would want to be. Uh, it was more like um, being, I was definitely more like reactive. You know, there's my child. I was like, I need to take care of her. Please get me to her. And it was not this, it's not the ideal scenario. It's not how you'd want to be. And also we were in a large Boston hospital where there were 30 other babies in this unit. And so the babies are hooked up to monitors and they're constantly dinging, uh, it's not a factory, but it felt a little impersonal and um, overwhelming. And so she fed me. She literally, I remember one day, like peeled a banana and like fed me while I pumped the milk, um, which I was going to leave for my daughter. She helped me with the actual breastfeeding in the hospital. So it was comfortable for me and my daughter and fitting me the right way for, I forget what the part was even called. 
for the nipple thing, I don't even remember. It was 14 years ago, but I just remember that she helped me so much. And what's kind of amazing is prior to having my daughter, I had actually miscarried. I was only like eight or nine weeks along. And with modern technology, I knew that I had miscarried. And, you know, at some point in a different time, you wouldn't even have known maybe. Um, but it was still a huge loss and a disappointment. And I remember I drew a Gerber daisy, a hot pink Gerber daisy, with a petal for each week the baby was in me as a way of acknowledging this life that was no longer. And when I did my book years later, I, for some reason, was drawn to a hot pink Gerber daisy as the cover. So if you've got a copy of the book in person, like a hard copy, it's in paperback, but like a, a copy you can hold, there's a hot pink Gerber daisy. And recently I found a flower that was um, in a pot. It wasn't a real flower. It was like a, a soft, like stuffed animal material. And it had a little bee on it. And it was a hot pink Gerber daisy that Annie had brought me to the hospital. And it was, it was probably a couple of years ago that I made the connection to the picture I drew to being drawn to the cover of the hot pink Gerber daisy and the hot pink Gerber daisy she brought me that actually played a song. And I didn't even know it played music um, until years later. But it was almost like a sign that I realized after the fact that here's this living angel, Annie, who was with me at a really important time where I needed to be grounded. I needed to be cared for. And um, she worked with me when my daughter left the hospital too, which was a couple of weeks after she was in the hospital for 14 days. Um, and uh, anyone who's been through this knows that you leave the hospital before you leave. You leave the hospital without your kid if they have to stay. And that's a horrible feeling and experience unto itself. There's nothing more natural than leaving without your child. Um, so I was in the hospital five days and my daughter was there an extra nine days. Um, and so Annie came and worked with us at my house. And um, we stayed in touch for a good 10 years. I sent her a Christmas card every year just because I, I so loved and appreciated her. She really was, uh, she was a living angel. She helped me at a time where I needed help. And I will forever be grateful to her. And to the degree you believe in angels on the other side, um, the fact that she brought me a hot pink Gerber daisy, like uh, I'll have to, maybe I'll post it in the newsletter, um, a picture of it. Um, but this fake, you know, like a, a plant that wasn't, you know, that was a stuffed animal material. I can't, I'm not explaining it well at all. It was soft though. Um, to brighten up the little space where my beautiful girl was in the hospital with all these machines and all the noise and all the chaos and some really mean nurses. Um, it was a little bright spot. And um, I bet if you think about it, you've also had a living angel or living angels in your life. Somebody who's come in and said something, even like that woman in the mall who talked to me when I was a teen and gave me hope about the back brace, or lovely Annie, who was with me at um, a beautiful, important time of having my 
my one and only daughter, and uh, helping me navigate um, being able to care for her, nurse her, especially when um, anyone who can relate to this, you know, when you have to leave the hospital, like knowing that she had a part of me, like I was leaving my milk, which she needed. They called it liquid gold. Those that those first few days, like the color of the milk is literally like gold. It's pretty remarkable. And it gave me comfort in knowing that she was getting that from me and all those nutrients and what she needed. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm not going to get into it more than that because I think you get the sense of the story. So living angels are a gift. I think we all experience them at different times in our life sometimes more than once. And I think maybe if we pay attention, we realize, oh yeah, that person was like a living angel for me. They helped me realize a health issue or they helped me navigate, you know, a hard time, a breakup or something that they came in just at the right time. And I maybe a lot of times these living angels, they don't stay in our lives for whatever reason. They're there just for that, that moment that you need them um, for however long that is. So um here's to living angels and uh celebrating the ones that have come and that will visit us again and having faith in something larger than what we see in our day-to-day reality and uh yeah i hope you enjoyed this musing on living angels and i will be back with you soon Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you've yet to follow the podcast, be sure to do so on your favorite podcast player. Just hit follow on your device right now so we can stay connected and you'll get all of the musings and all of the latest episodes for every season um, as they drop. Thanks so much. And I'll be back with you next week. Bye for now.